Holy Week is here, the most sacred time of year. And one of the most confusing things in our time about Holy Week is the changes that happened beginning in 1951, 1955. We've got changes in 19, those enduring in 1962, Novus Ordo, 1969, 1970. What is going on? So today I'm going to do a walkthrough. We're going to do Holy Week 1939. That's way before Vatican II. And I'm going to use a guide right here. What you're looking at is Westminster Cathedral. We're going back in time to London, Holy Week, 1939. And then you're going to be surprised by a number of things. In particular, you're going to see things like the lay people didn't have their feet washed traditionally. You're going to see things, for example, that Holy Saturday, which is depicted right up here, started in the morning. It wasn't at night. It started in the morning. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started here. We'll pray the Our Father in Latin, and we'll move through this very interesting schedule. If you're a liturgy nerd, you're going to love this. If you're not a liturgy nerd, you're going to be fascinated. Here we go. Oremus nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos malo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, if you want to get into some of the details on Holy Week, I've done previous videos, a number of videos here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. So make sure you like this video, you share it on Facebook, and you subscribe. This week, we're going to go through what it looked like for a Catholic in the 1930s and 40s to move through Holy Week. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm going to take this down. I'm going to give you a, what did I just do there? I'm going to give you the close-up here of Maundy Thursday. We're going to skip over Palm Sunday. We're going to go over to Maundy Thursday. And here it is. Here it is blown up for you. Okay. Maundy Thursday, you'll notice the beginning right here. Holy Communion every half hour from 6.30 to 8.30 a.m. Do you see that right up here? These are not masses. These are Holy Communion services. They take about 10 minutes or so, maybe 15. It begins, Ecce Agnes Day, Behold the Lamb of God. There's a confidior. You come forward for communion. What is going on here in the 1930s from 6.30 to 8.30 a.m. with the Holy Communion? Not a mass. Holy Communion. Every half hour, every 30 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the laity making their annual Holy Communion. As you know, one of the precepts of the church is that you have to receive communion at least once during the year at the Easter season. And so this is the opportunity for lay people, if they have to go to work, before work, from 6.30 to 8.30 a.m., every 30 minutes, they're doing a communion service so that people can come in and receive communion for Easter. 
You'll also notice at 8.45 a.m. is the liturgical office of Non. And here it's celebrated by the Cardinal Archbishop. If you know anything about the liturgy of the hours or the breviary, you know that Non means the ninth hour. That's the ninth hour from sunrise. That means it's the liturgical office of 3 p.m., Why is the Cardinal Archbishop, you may ask, celebrating non at 8.45 if it's supposed to be at 3 p.m.? You see this in the Eastern Church, and you see this in the Roman Church before Vatican II. It's the penitential shift. Why is that? Well, if you watched previous podcasts like the one I did on fasting last week, you'll know that during Lent, people fasted until... 3 p.m. It was associated with the breviary, with that liturgical hour. Well, monks got hungry, nuns got hungry, cardinal archbishops got hungry. And so what you see is, is during penitential times, in particular during Triduum, the penitential shift. So for example, matins and lauds are put, which are an early morning office, are pushed into the previous evening. So for example, last night I went to Tenebrae on a Wednesday. Tenebrae was actually the matins and lauds of Maundy Thursday morning, but penitentially shifted forward. So that's what's going on here. And you're going to see this run all through Triduum. All right. It's the penitential shift, trademarked, penitential shift. 9 a.m., pontifical high mass and consecration of the holy oils by his eminence the Cardinal Archbishop. The Chrism Mass, this is the Chrism Mass, was not pushed to Tuesday or Monday or Wednesday. The Chrism Mass belongs on Maundy Thursday, and it's happening right there at 9 a.m. Now are you ready for something interesting? At 3 p.m. is the Mandatum, or washing of the feet, by His Eminence, the Cardinal Archbishop. That's right. Before Vatican II, Washing of the feet was something that a bishop or the pope did for poor priests. Bishops washed the feet of priests. It was not a lay thing. He didn't choose 12 laymen or women or anyone. It was a separate liturgy. If you actually look in your old pre-55 missal, you'll see that the washing of feet was not part of the mass. It's a separate liturgy. Anibal Bugnini brought it into the liturgy. Why? I've got a video coming out later this week on the 10 differences between the traditional Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo Mass. And one of the things that you'll notice is that Anibal Bugnini and the Novus Ordo always wants to have lay people doing more. The more you can get lay people doing physical activity in the liturgy, it's always good for Bugnini. So he's like, well, how can we get lay people involved in in Maundy Thursday, Holy Thursday? Let's get lay people to have their feet washed during the liturgy. So traditionally, laymen did not have their feet washed on Maundy Thursday. It was something a bishop did for priests. There's actually an old tradition. I think it's Gregory the Great was washing the feet of 12 of his poor priests, and he saw a a beautiful, handsome young priest, and he washed his feet, and then that person disappeared and they realized, I don't know, I have the legend all together, but that was either Christ himself or an angel present. And so in Rome, the Pope traditionally, not today, 
would wash the feet of 13 men. Okay, so that's 3 p.m. We got the mandatum that had uh, chanting in it. It was a short service. You can see it in your missal. Lay people probably did not attend or get involved in the mandatum, from what I can tell. It's a clerical liturgy. At 5.15 p.m., you have Compline. Compline's usually around 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Here we got penitential shift. And then we have tenebrae. And the stripping of the altar, the washing and the stripping of the altar would happen after tenebrae. Notice tenebrae. In fact, if you go to tenebrae nowadays, it's like 7, 8 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Back in the day, tenebrae was actually pretty early. 5.30 p.m. And as I said before, Tenebrae is actually the matins and lauds of the next day. All right, so let's move. So what do we notice difference here? You, if you're a traditional Catholic, you go to the Fraternity of St. Peter, Institute of Christ the King, SSPX, Diocesan, or you go to Novus Ordo, you're used to having the Last Supper Mass liturgy, usually starting at 6, 7 p.m. at your local parish. In the old days, that mass was said, according to here, 9 a.m., 9 a.m. There's not this idea that Jesus instituted the Last Supper at 6 or 7 p.m., ergo, we have to have the mass at 6 or 7 p.m. They're like, you know what, we're just going to have it at 9 a.m. And there it is. Do you like that or not like it? Leave a comment. Join in the live chat. Moving on to Good Friday. At 10.30 a.m. is the Mass of the Pre-Sanctified. You'll hear people say, well, actually, it's not a Mass on Good Friday. Traditionally, it was called Mass of the Pre-Sanctified because the Eucharist was consecrated the day before and a host is reserved over. It's actually a mini-Mass. The word Misa in Latin refers to an assembly. It has to do with the dismissal. Itamisa est. But if you read like St. Benedict, I think some of the other church fathers, I think uh, St. John Cassian, they use Misa for all kinds of assemblies. So it doesn't, just because the holy sacrifice of the Mass doesn't occur on Good Friday, technically in tradition, it is called a Mass. It's the Mass of the Pre Sanctified. Nowadays, your Mass of the Pre Sanctified, your Good Friday liturgy, happens at sometimes new, but noon, but usually 3 p.m. Look what time it's happening on Good Friday, 10.30 a.m. By the way, the Mass of the Pre-Sanctified is where the lady do not receive communion on Good Friday. Traditionally, no, there's no consecration on Good Friday, and there is no communication, no receiving of communion by the lay people on Good Friday. Why? Total desolation. It is the death of Jesus Christ. The lady do, however, make a spiritual communion by coming forward and kissing the crucifix. And this practice goes all the way back to the pilgrimage area in the, was it 300s or 400s? And she actually records that the liturgy for coming forward to kiss the true cross in Jerusalem was in the morning, not at 3 p.m. So actually the Roman rite here is reflecting the early church. 3 p.m., you have Stations of the Cross with a sermon. Stations of the Cross, 
with a sermon. This was the popular lay devotion. You go and you make the Stations of the Cross. Then you sit in the pews and the priest is going to give you an inspirational sermon. Often, it was the seven last words of Jesus. So the priest would go into the pulpit. He might read a lesson. And then he would give a sermon on the passion of Christ, the death of Christ, or on the seven last words of Christ, inspiring the people. Of course, the people are all fasting still. 5.15, Compline. 5.30, Compline right into Tenebrae, Matins Lods. We've got Tenebrae, celebrated by the Cardinal Archbishop. And then we have 8.15, Stations of the Cross yet again with veneration of the relic of the true cross. This is obviously for people who had to work, had to take care of children, preparing meals. Here's one last chance to have a devotional moment on Good Friday, 8.15 p.m., Stations of the Cross, and Veneration of the Relic of the True Cross. So you can see Good Friday has the Mass of the Pre-Sanctified at 10.30 a.m., but it also has other opportunities. And personally, as a layman, I think this is excellent because if you want to expose your children to something spiritual, something powerful to help us meditate on the death of Jesus Christ— the two-and-a-half-hour Mass of the Pre-Sanctified is, is tough, you know, even for tweens. Like, you got an 11-year-old, 12-year-old. So I think offering something else, like Stations of the Cross throughout the day or Stations in a Sermon or a Homily is actually a really good practice, and I think it's more pastoral. And I would encourage... Uh, any good priest out there to consider, you know, having the Mass of the Pre-Sanctified, but also adding in maybe two other opportunities for Stations of the Cross so that uh, people who can't endure the full Mass of the Pre-Sanctified can still have that connection with Jesus. And even offering veneration of the cross, I think, is brilliant. And I just love the tradition of the church here. Now we're going to move on to Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday, and I think you'll be surprised yet again. So here's the schedule for Holy Saturday. I'm going to pause real quick and just mention that I have a full course on the traditional Latin Mass, and that's offered at nsti.com, New St. Thomas Institute. You can get the course on the Latin Mass and all other nine courses, for example, the Old Testament, Catholic New Testament, Catholic Apologetics, Church History. I think you'll love it. Go to nsti.com and sign up. Also, I'm going to check in on the comments with y'all and see how y'all are doing over here in the comments. Anybody got any comments or questions? We are live right now, so I can take them. Here's one from Vivian. She says, I remember having services earlier than we do now. Would love to see it return. Personally, I would also think it's better that way, though I understand the reasons. Uh, I'm not going to judge other people having a different view, but I just think it would be maybe pastoral and, and easier for the clergy and for families. That's my two cents. You can disagree with me. Leave a comment. Yeah, so at, at the locally where I live, today is Maundy Thursday. So I believe both Fraternity of St. Peter Parishes and the Society of St. Pius X is beginning their Maundy Thursday Mass at 7 p.m., which would not be like it was in 1939. In 1939, it would have been in the morning, 9, 10, 10.30 a.m. Okay, Holy Saturday, here we go. 
How do you know you're at a pre-55 Holy Saturday? You're going to see this candle right here, the triple candle. That triple candle signifies the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and also the three women that went to the tomb. And it's used to light the Paschal candle inside the church. If you go to the 1962 Holy Week, you'll see the candle lit outside at the bonfire. So you're going to know right away. Is the candle lit outside? That's the 1962 Holy Week. Is a triple candle with three lights on it lit? You're at a pre-55. So the pictures I've chosen here, that's a pre-1955 Palm Sunday. You can see the folded chasubles, the purple green, I mean the, the purple chasuble. And then we also have there, that's that's pre-55 Good Friday with the triple candlestick. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Okay, Holy Saturday, here we go. Look at the time, folks. When does the vigil of Holy Saturday begin? 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., midnight? Nope. 9 a.m., my friends. Holy Saturday vigil is, is it a Sunday Mass or is it a Saturday Mass? Well, by the title, you can tell Holy Saturday is a Holy Saturday Mass. So at 9 a.m. is the blessing of the fire outside in the morning, the Paschal candle and baptismal font. As you know, that takes a long time. In the pre-55, you have 12 Old Testament prophecy readings, and it's I've been through them. It takes a long time, and I'll, I, I'm just going to confess it. I'm going to confess it to everybody. It's boring. Okay, it is boring. It is difficult, especially when you're fasting. But here's the point to it. In the wisdom and in the prudence of Holy Mother Church, remember the Old Testament saints, Adam, Eve, Abraham, Sarah, Isaiah, Deborah, all those, they were all down in limbo. They were not in heaven. They were waiting for centuries. And that part of the liturgy where we're going through the Old Testament and it goes and it goes and it goes for an hour, that is for us having solidarity with the Old Testament saints who were down there waiting and waiting and waiting, and Jesus dies on the cross. He pays the price. They can go to heaven. He descends into hell. He redeems them. He brings them to heaven. So that's what's going on there. Now, I think it's interesting, and I think it's very pastoral. If you look at this Holy Saturday schedule, it's actually broken into two parts for the sake of the laity. At 9 a.m. is all the long stuff. Blessing of the Holy Fire, blessing of the Paschal Candle, baptismal font. Sometimes we add in even baptism of new converts, which is beautiful and lovely, and I 100% am on board with that. But then it lets the lady know, well, at 11 a.m., the high mass itself proper begins. So if you want to go to the whole Easter vigil, you can show up at 9 a.m., and if you just want to be there for the Mass and receive Holy Communion and, you know, make your first Saturday or your Saturday, you can also come at 11 a.m. And then notice what happens after High Mass on Holy Saturday. Vespers, Vespers, you know, usually happen between 4, 5, 6 p.m. normally, but we have penitential shift because we're still in a season of penance in Lent. Shifted up, and Vespers is celebrated right after the Holy Saturday Mass. And it's actually a short 
really tiny, short Vespers. It's pretty beautiful. I like it. Then what traditionally happened, I've asked around, this period, so by about 12, 12.30, you're out of church and Lent is over. And the 1917 Code of Canon Law said that your fasting and abstinence for Lent ended at 12 p.m. on Holy Saturday. So at this point, you can have meat, you can stop your fast, you're now taking a breather. You're now entering into the resurrection glory at 12, 12.30 p.m. on Holy Saturday. This is a time when families would come together, they got to eat something, and they would begin baking, preparing the feast for the next day. Sunday, Easter Sunday is going to be a huge feast all over Italy, you know, anywhere, Greece, Spain, Vietnam, name a Catholic place. Easter Sunday is going to be the biggest feast of the year, way bigger than Christmas. And so this gives people time from 12.30, 1 p.m. to come home and start cleaning the home, getting things ready, and baking and cooking and preparing all the food. This was also the time that families would bring their Easter basket to the church and the priest would bless it on Saturday afternoon. What is an Easter basket? It's not what little kids do in America. If you go to Poland, if you go to old France, if you go to other Eastern countries, families will bring together a large basket and they'll put in there the things they gave up for Lent. Chocolate, meat, what else? Alcohol, bod bottle of scotch, couple bottles of wine, dairy, cheese, eggs, they decorate. They arrange it beautifully in a basket. This is everything they offered as a penance. They bring it to church on Saturday afternoon and all the Easter baskets are lined out outside the church. And the priest comes by with holy water and says the prayers and he blesses every single, just going down the line, blesses all the Easter baskets. And then the people pick them up and bring them home and their penances, the things that they've given up for 46 days, it's beautiful. The things they've given up for 46 days have just been blessed by a priest and sprinkled by holy water, and it's all ready. And then on Easter morning, they go to Mass again. Wait, wait, Taylor, I thought they already went to the Easter Vigil. No, 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 my friends. In the 1939 schedule here, you have to go to Mass again on Sunday. Holy Saturday traditionally did not fulfill your Sunday obligation. So they go to Mass again on Sunday, and they come home, and they break into their Easter basket. They got their meat, their cheese, their scotch, their bottles of wine. It's a party. Christ is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. It's a party. Everyone is happy. Christ has destroyed death. So you see pontifical matins and lauds of Easter day are sung on Holy Saturday night at 5.30. This was a beautiful, this is kind of like Tenebrae, but like hyped up happy. All right, this is the same idea, and it's, it's shifted forward. We're still in penitential shift because Holy Saturday is a liminal day. What is liminal? Liminal in Latin means threshold. Holy Saturday is like Good Friday and Easter mashed together. In fact, at the uh, Holy Saturday Mass, the first half, the priest wears purple, Penance, and the second half, he wears white. So it's it's just a liminal, smashed-together liturgy. So you're in Easter, but you haven't gone to the tomb yet on Sunday morning. 
it's complicated, I know. So 5.30, the pontifical matins and lauds of Easter day, and that harkens back to the early Christian practice of the holy Christians chanting psalms all night or into the night, into Sunday. Ultimately, nowadays we think of it as the Holy Saturday Mass is what goes into the day, but older Christians, more traditionally Christians before us, they saw the pontifical matins and lauds as the the arm reaching forward into Sunday, or as the bridge bringing us into past night into Easter. Does that make sense? I know it's different. Now what happens on Easter Sunday, the penitential shift of moving everything forward in time, everything goes back to normal. So pontifical terse, the bishop celebrates terse at 10 a.m., a normal time. Terse is usually 9, 10 a.m. So everything is back on schedule as it was before Holy Week. At 10.30 a.m., you got Pontifical High Mass celebrated by His Eminence, the Cardinal Archbishop, after which His Eminence will impart the papal blessing and plenary indulgence. I want that. I want that. That's cool. 12 noon, you've got Low Mass with a sermon. And by the way, I think it's interesting they publish with a sermon because you don't have to have a sermon at every Mass on Sunday. I think the rule is there has to be a sermon at one Mass on Sunday. But not all the Masses have to have a sermon. So this one says there's going to be a low Mass with a sermon. Sometimes, by the way, the sermon was after Mass. It wasn't always after the Gospel. We need to remind ourselves of that. And then at 3.15, we got Pontifical Vespers and Benediction. And then at 7 p.m., Compline. So that is how it worked. And I'm going to put back on the screen if you want to screen capture this so you can have it. There it is. Westminster Cathedral, Holy Week, 1939. There's also some things interesting on Palm Sunday, but I wanted to save time on that. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you'll give this video a thumbs up. And I think it will open up a conversation of how do we do Holy Week and should Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday be in the morning or be at night? Basically what happened in 1951 through 1955, there was the idea that we needed to change these ancient rituals, the prayers, and change the times, that all three of those liturgies need to be in the afternoon or at night. Was that a good move? Leave a comment. I'm going to read your comments. I'm going to engage you. I want to hear your thoughts. Do you? Would you prefer them to be earlier in the morning or would you prefer them to be uh, as they are now in the evening? So let's keep that conversation going. Uh, again, if you want to take courses and get deeper into liturgy, the Roman Rite, the traditional Latin Mass, sign up and take the course, nsti.com, New St. Thomas Institute, nsti.com. Also, I have a video. It's already cut. It's raw, but we're editing it. And it's about the 10 differences between the traditional Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo. So if you want to get that, make sure you subscribe here to the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. And I think you'll really benefit from that and learn a lot. All right, we'll close up by praying a Hail Mary. And before I do, I just want to wish everyone a happy and holy Maundy Thursday, which is today. 
Tomorrow is Good Friday. I want to encourage you to do the 40-hour fast. Traditionally, that was begun at 8 p.m. Maundy Thursday and ended, as I talked about here, at 12 p.m. on Holy Saturday. That'll give you the 40 hours of no calories. Of course, if you're ill, uh, if you have metabolic problems, do not do it. If you are a healthy person like I am, I'm healthy, I can fast. So keep that 40-hour fast. It's traditional St. Irenaeus in the second century talks about the 40-hour fast. So if you're inspired to do so as a penance and to be close to Jesus, I'd encourage you to do that. All right, we're going to pray the Hail Mary in Latin. Oremus nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et or mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thanks for watching. If you see this after Easter, happy Easter to you. Christ is risen. Alleluia. And may everybody have a holy and sacred triduum. God bless and Godspeed. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty.